0: Greetings and salutations, you're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife... Harmony
1: Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a
0: teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood?
1: Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses or your perspective?
0: Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen?
1: Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to
0: this ends at prom this ends at prom is a pod people production i don't wanna be your merch girl i wanna be your goddamn idol and i don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title but i Welcome back prom party. Hello. I hope you are all having a fantastic day. We went grocery shopping today.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did.
0: We were those weirdos who took home an entire case of ginger beer. It's my favorite and Aldi
1: has not had it the last like three months. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: So yeah, we uh, stocked up on ginger beer, on apple cider. We're feeling pretty frisky, feeling very much like adults. I even filled out the Aldi receipt survey at the end.
1: I have never done one of those, no matter how many times CVS has yelled at me.
0: I do them all the time, especially if somebody does the thing where they make eye contact and they're like, hey, this really helps us out. I'm like, oh, you're pleading with me. Okay, I'll do it. So I did it on the right home and I feel, I don't know, it's like I voted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I voted. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about it today. <laughs> okay, well,
1: I'm glad you're feeling good. I'm feeling good because I feel so fucking excited for this movie. (laughs) I have wanted to talk about this movie for months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So friends, if you have not already seen from, you know, the episode preview that tells you what the title of the movie is we're talking about. Harmony, what movie are we talking about
2: today?
1: Oh my god. Um, This is my favorite movie I've seen all year. It is 1984's Angel.
0: Beautiful. And we are talking about it as part of our seasonal tradition to pull a movie from Mike McBeardo McPadden's book, Teen Movie Hell, which is a celebration of teen movies uh, up until kind of like the the early 90s. Um, It's an encyclopedia. We love it. We miss you, Mike, every day. You're incredible. Uh But today, we are not alone, friends. We have a guest today. We have non-binary author, soapmaker, just amazing human being, <laughs> M. Lapis da Silva.
2: Hi. Well, hello. Thank you for that stunning introduction. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I feel like for a some. red carpet
2: was placed. <laughs>
0: I try to make our guests feel really happy to be here because
2: I'm really happy that you're here. Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to be with the both of you today. Thank you so much, ladies, for inviting me. Oh, you're very (laughs) welcome. So
0: before we really dive into anything, um, I'm curious to know what is your relationship with the movie Angel?
2: Okay, so I love this movie. I also have it, it's one of those movies that I love passionately because it makes me itch. It makes me itch to see more and just it's it's like one of those creative fonts where it's an explosion of like <laughs> ideas and concepts and you just want to go further, you want to see and isn't is that vague? That's a really nice, vague <laughs> way to start introducing a film.
0: I I love it so very much. And Harmony, this was a, a recent watch for you as well. So what are your, your capsule impressions of seeing Angel for the first time?
1: Okay, so um, Angel is kind of in this like mini resurgence right now because a bunch of people that we know discovered it because the new Beverly Cinema did a screening of it. That we didn't go to because I think we went and saw professional wrestling that night instead. We did. Okay. Um <laughs> but we bought it. it was a great choice. Uh, wrestling Pro Wrestling in Los Angeles is so much fun and I love it to pieces.
0: No, we were actually, that's when CM Punk came back. Oh, was that the one? That's why we couldn't go to the screening because okay. we had to watch CM Punk and I needed to cry.
1: Well, that's fine. I support both of these things and also <laughs> st- I still love Wrestling Pro Wrestling. So my bad. <laughs> They're just getting a free shout out then. That's fine. I understand which day that we were seeing watching wrestling. But yes, I discovered this. Um a lot of people are also getting through it because Shudder did it with um The Last Drive-in, and a lot yes, of people were did. like, Oh my god, this movie's incredible. How have I never heard of this? And I'm like this cool hotshot who had found it like six months earlier, being like, <laughs> Oh yeah, you kids are so green to this experience. <laughs> so I feel like extra cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, for me, Angel is a movie that I saw probably too young, but that is, I guess, par for the course with everything that I've seen. And when I saw that Vinegar Syndrome was releasing it, I got really, really excited, so I bought the trilogy. There is a fourth movie. We don't talk about the fourth movie. <laughs> it just it doesn't exist in my world. Um, but I got the trilogy, loved it, was so excited for you to, to see it because I I, I think I'm getting... A good grasp on movies that are weird and old that I can recommend to you, Harmony. And I think that was one that I was like, you're going to love this. Here's and the then thi- I was right.
1: Here's the thing. I, you didn't even get to recommend it to me. I was just doing research for the show and happened to find this and was like, what? A movie about a, a serial killer who's targeting prostitutes and the lead is a teenager? It sounds fucking great. <laughs> this sounds like a beautiful mess. I am jazzed. <laughs> and it was not even a mess. It is just beautiful.
0: Period. (laughs) It is wonderful. Now, before we we really dive in, i'm so sorry friends we have to remind you about how to support the podcast you can support the podcast in a couple different ways we have our patreon patreon.com backslash this ends at prom and you know you can always give us that five star review on apple it really genuinely does help the show you're the best we love you we are contractually obligated to say it at the front i'm so sorry okay i love you back into the
2: movie it's not even
1: contractually obligated it's just in our best interest <laughs>
2: Nice thing to say. Come on, yeah. promoting yourself is good. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I mean,
1: if you're not gonna do it, who's gonna do it for That's you, right? That's true. Exactly.
0: It's so I just always feel like so much like I'm shilling and selling my soul a little bit, but it's like, well, the numbers did say you don't listen to it at the end, so I gotta shove it in there when you least expect it. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk in. So, Em, if you had to explain to somebody <laughs> what the premise of Angel is, uh God. <laughs> yeah okay where were we starting at yeah how would you uh I guess what is Angel about
2: okay so it's one of those uh movies where it has a duality where it's the teenager who is the good girl by day going to prep school and oh is everyone seems to like her and and she has a nice life but is there something beneath it and very quickly on, we realize that she is a sex worker and she has a huge queer family on the streets supporting mm-hmm. her and like this life that, you know, she's hacking on her own, but there's also mysterious things like where are her parents? Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is there a room where no one can enter it, but her mother is ill and oh my, yeah, there's
1: <laughs> the intrigue.
2: Yeah, a lot of that going on. At the same time, there is a serial killer who is murdering uh, sex workers. And the sex workers that he's starting to kill are becoming are getting closer and closer to the people that Angel knows and loves, um, eventually driving her uh, to seek revenge. Beautiful. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I feel like that is a great sales pitch for for what's going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do want to make a reference to the teen movie Hell book once again, by Mike McBeard and McPadden, you can get it on bazillion points books. So in place of doing any sort of like what was cool in 1984, um, we did an episode on Night of the Comet, and Harmony did a ton of wonderful research on what was cool in 1984. If that's what you're really craving, you can go to that. It's mostly um,
1: horror and dance movies.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of horror and dance movies. <laughs> um, Sounds right up my alley. <laughs> but mike uh, in describing angel said something that i found i found really interesting and i think adds a really nice context to where angel sort of coming into the world so it says far from an aberration in its abhorrent subject matter angel is the exclamation point on a line of sensationalist cinema dating back to at least the road to ruin from 1928 A silent melodrama smash about a high school maiden who hops into a fast jalopy, tastes bathtub gin, and then finances a back alley abortion by gigging in a brothel. I don't know anything about this movie, but I need to see it. I would watch that in a heartbeat. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's that's a sales pitch that sold me.
0: Now I want to see that. <laughs> like a silent film from 1928? Like, that, that's incredible.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. Just pre-code gold. Like, holy crow. For real.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike continues by saying, on the silver screen and eventually the VCR, professional pubescent sex evolved with what was permissible – by the 1970s, titles such as The Working Girls from 74, Street Girls 75, and the bluntly stated Teenage Prostitution Racket, 1979, prolifically bounced around drive-in bills. Meanwhile, the hyperbolic NBC TV movie Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway from 1976, featuring Eve Plum, that's a uh, Jan Brady for those at home, Strolling Santa Monica Boulevard looking for Johns proved such a ratings giant that it generated a working boy follow-up, Alexander, the Other Side of Dawn, in 77. ABC countered a bit later with Mayor Winningham in its own Nielsen Juggernaut, Off the Minnesota Strip in 1980. Further up the respectability scale, 14-year-old Jodie Foster scored a well-deserved Oscar nomination as an East Village hooker in Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver in 76. Her brilliance may have inadvertently ignited the era that first allowed 12-year-old Brooke Shields to appear naked as a New Orleans whorehouse virgin for sale in Pretty Baby in 78, leading to Brooke's subsequent several years of shilling Calvin Klein jeans sans underpants, and losing her virginity at 14 in the tropical paradise of the Blue Lagoon in 1980. But by the time Angel rolled around, the movie stood out as being a bombastic, glorious, bad taste. (laughs) But besides its own sequels, Angel spawned a rapid-fire East Coast ripoff, Streetwalking, in 1985 with future Academy Award winner Melissa Leo as a two-young lady of the evening. She parades her wares around the spectacularly seedy intersection of 3rd Avenue and 14th Street, right across from the Dugout Bar and the Variety Photo Place Theater, two real-life, long-gone havens of vintage teenage vice. Exactly when Angel and Streetwalkers were in New York theaters, the Variety Photo Plays presented the triple X rated New Wave Hookers in 1984 with Tracy Lords, And unlike the stars of other movies, she actually was 15. Oops. Oops, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that he identifies kind of what was going on cinematically. And I love that he acknowledges that so many people think that Angel is in bad taste. When I disagree completely, uh-huh. but when you compare it to something like like Taxi Driver, which people view as like, oh, this is prestige cinema, when I think Angel has a bit more autonomy than, uh, than Jodie Foster does in that movie. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. Maybe
2: this is just a West Coast, East Coast throwdown thing. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> New York versus LA.
1: <laughs> it's
0: very, beautiful. <very laughs>
1: I just, I was not expecting the throwdowns of the coast to go all the way to teenage prostitutes. Right? I didn't either,
2: but this is where they took it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I do also, I'm like weirdly perplexed by the knowledge that there were essentially like cable ratings fights of like, oh, they made their teen sex worker movie. We got to make our teen sex worker movie. And then everyone competed and then Lifetime took up the mantle and then it, ran with it and i think that's where we are today
2: <laughs> yeah pretty much lifetime's definitely done so many of like the whole shocking teen in a sexual situation and what are they going to do next mm-hmm. that's oh, their yeah. bread and butter yeah that's bj's bread and butter it is my bread nice. and
0: butter. <laughs> <laughs> said it before said it a million times she's too young where an entire school gets syphilis cinematic gold directed by tom mclaughlin who also did friday the 13th part six I, it's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> nice. <Yes. laughs> nice. So let's talk. Let's talk about Angel, the character. You know, aka Molly. Angel is her her evening name. Because, as we all know, if you are in any sort of sex work, you should probably not be using your birth name. If you um. know a sex
1: worker's <laughs> legal name, no, you don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I don't call her Molly anytime I refer to her in this movie.
2: He just knows one of the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's okay.
0: Well, sweet thing, what's your name? Angel. Well, Angel, I thought you and me could have us a little party, huh? <laughs> I bet you would. Look, Miss From Underage. Or are you one of those perverts that gets off on little girls? We're a
1: little touchy, aren't we? Look, why don't you just drop me off on that corner? I see a friend over there.
2: Look, I, I didn't do anything. Thanks for the ride, officer.
0: So, how do we feel about Angel as a character? <sighs>
2: Well, honestly, one thing I love is the fact of her name, which is really kind of messed up. Because if you go later on through the movie, the reason she calls herself Angel is because her father, who is missing, left a letter about, you know, what where, that was addressed to her calling her Angel. So mm-hmm. it just adds this whole, oh God, is this a trauma thing? <laughs> and, right. Uh-huh. You no know, level to her. But that's, I think, the crux of Angel's character is that you're trying to analyze, like, what's going on. Is she in charge of her life or is she kind of being pushed around by it? And she's trying to get control, like, constantly in her situation. She has control at the beginning of it and, cop like, a cop tries to wrest it away, basically. I love, like, just, it's, it's really cool, honestly, to have a teenage sex worker and, like, her control over her own life feel like it's an actual interesting conversation you know Mm -hmm. where it's 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 being realistically felt and dealt and dealt with and managed
0: yeah I agree completely and I think that it opens a very uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people and that has to do with sort of Teenage sexual autonomy. Uh-huh. Obviously, if she's a sex worker, this is coming also for for profit. And you you could easily make the argument that this is this is survival sex because she she needs the money because of the mysterious circumstances surrounding her family. Um, so that's like a very easy one to make. But at the same time, this is also the the chosen profession that she's going for, uh-huh. and that's a very interesting conversation. And I I've hinted a around it on the show before, but I I used to sell nude photos on Tumblr. And in some instances it is questionable whether or not I should have been selling them. And it's something that I look back on and I think to myself, you know, in the eyes of the law, I am not old enough or capable or intelligent enough to be making those decisions. And I understand why those laws are in place. But at the same time, I also look at it from my own lived experience and I was like, I knew exactly what I was doing and i was uh-huh. in very much in control of that situation. so it opens this very difficult conversation to have, but the thing that is so interesting about angel is people don't shame her for what she does and those that do are portrayed as assholes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Mostly like her um her classmates like rick, all-american rick, who tries to like super shame her for that and gets violent about it like he's a piece of shit and she stands up to him and i think that's incredible but the thing with angel that i love so much about her choices is that um as, as we find out as the movie goes on she's been on the streets since she was 12 years old and mm-hmm. she is she's like what 15 16 now something like that yeah yeah so it's been years now and the um the, the the alternative to her doing this would have been going into the foster care system and she fucking refused cuz that's in a lot of ways that's a lot worse than being on the streets and taking care of yourself. Yeah.
2: She she made her own decision. I mean, yeah, and she clearly stated that she did not want to go into foster care, that she had another goal that she was like, you know, waiting for whatever this father to that might not come back, but she mm-hmm. did have her own goals. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't know, I think giving that weight to her was so like important in this film. Like it just really Gave it that much more like impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: she definitely doesn't feel like an after-school special type. The way that I think some of these cable channel versions of this sort of story or the Lifetime version of this sort of story would have treated this character, mm-hmm. she really is a fully realized person. And the thing I find really interesting about all of it is the the law enforcement in this movie are very kind of matter of fact about the sex work like when there's there's the the serial killer on the loose instead of being like hey get off the streets and don't do anything they say hey stick to your regulars Working like,
1: pairs i was
0: like whoa okay and similarly until you know it's uncovered how young angel actually is that's the similar treatment and the, the concern of Angel doing sex work is not even that she's doing sex work. It's that she's this young. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the concern, which I find very interesting, because I don't think that that conversation will never happen again in a movie. <laughs>
1: no,
2: no way. And that's what I think is actually, like, it, it makes the story, like, yeah, it, it makes it actually, like, an, an, an important question to ask. Angel, as much as she wants this life right now, like, is this the best life she could possibly be living, you know, like for herself, is it the healthiest <laughs> Like probably. Yeah. yeah not. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, even though she's, the thing is she acknowledges that she doesn't like this and having like gross old men, like slobber all over her and stuff like that, but she still gets like straight A's in school. And so she's giving herself an out, or at least, you know, theoretically there is is an out. She could go to college. She could her grades could get her somewhere. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think, because we talked about Rick and Rick's shitty friends, who are so cartoony and like really over the top in this pretty over-the-top movie, but somehow they're even more cartoony. Um, it, it the they spread throughout the entire school that she, you know, works on Sunset and It is this um, lingering threat that you have that exists where people who do sex work, you don't get to escape sex work. You're judged for it at any point. So even if she, like, takes her grades and goes somewhere, like, that's been exposed now. And I don't know what that would mean for her as, like, an adult in that circumstance, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's always that thing where... What does it mean for us, like as an adult, if we reveal that we've done sex work in the past? Well, I've been, you know, a sex worker in the past. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been a phone sex worker, I've done other, like, sorts of sex work. I've written three feature porn films because someone has to write those scripts. Nice. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's, you know, it's all work. And here's the thing how much do you let the sex work? define you and follow you around and what kind of career that you choose to do and what Mm -hmm. like that you fall into. It depends, you know, it's kind of difficult and complex. Like there's no one like way about it. What I really love about what Angel has, like how she can make those grades, those straight A's is because she has her support network Mm -hmm. because Angel is rich when she starts out with people around her and that's how she's like making it all work. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, once the killer comes in and starts like actually killing the things that make her strong, you know, that have made her strong, that have made her life work. That's when it's just gone to shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I think I think Angel would would be fine in the context because there's no social media yet, so I think yeah. he would be able to, you know, live yeah. that best. Maybe life. I'm
1: just having a little bit too of a modern life about right. that, where like once something's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. Right. That might that
0: might be where my brain goes with that. Yeah, but I do agree. You know, it is to to what extent. I mean, I've worked on film projects that star Joanna Angel and Small Hands, who are two extremely well-known adult performers, one of which is in, I think, two separate Hall of Fames. Um, So, I mean, that's just, that's part of my life and part of my history, and I have no shame about it. It's not my fault that other people think it's weird. Like, that's Uh something that they can impact on their own time. Uh Um, That has nothing to do with me. (laughs) But I do, I want to talk about the support system because I love Angel's community so much that I want to like throw things because I love it so much and I just get filled with so much energy that I have nowhere to put it.
2: Yeah, they're amazing. I mean, it's just a solid like group of like quirky. Okay, so first of all, it's like this perfect postcard of Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, the <laughs> 80s. And so it's like it's not just like street performers, it's like everyone who's on the street, you know, mm-hmm. kind of. And there's um the cowboy uh guy kit carson kit carson yeah. I,
1: I love kit carson he's such a sam elliott type
2: yes yes <laughs> and he's like you know claiming he's actually kit carson and maybe he is i don't know <laughs> like, <laughs> and oh my god like may is amazing and mm-hmm. she is she's angel's angel honestly yeah. like she's yeah. the godmother Yeah, of of Angel's life. Um, She's a trans woman who is just, like, obviously a sex worker who is more experienced and kind of, like, helping Angel, like, navigate the life a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I can't remember a couple of the names of the other sex workers that um, she was working with, (laughs) which is terrible.
1: There's, like, Crystal and Lana...
2: Yes, thank and you.
1: I don't remember which one's which.
0: Yeah, I have a similar issue. <laughs> in
1: our defense, they unfortunately are only in one scene. Um, yeah. They have a lot more history with Angel before the movie starts.
2: I feel terrible about it. I do. But they're like, sadly, those two characters are treated the most interchangeably within like the whole of the the family mm-hmm. <laughs> that she's given.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. There's also... Um, one of them is attracted to this uh guy named y-
0: yo-yo charlie
2: yeah he's like a
0: charlie chaplin
2: yo-yo art performer i love
1: him <laughs> he's so sweet
2: And she has this great touching moment with Yo-Yo and she's just like totally supportive of his career when like nobody's like really giving a damn and he's Mm -hmm. like totally supporting her and, you know, not fussed at all about the sex work thing, which is just, it's just, you get great vibes about them. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't last long, sadly. (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah. and the the shot
0: that they have of Yo-Yo Charlie after he finds out because I believe Crystal is the one that he's interested in, and she's unfortunately the one who is slain by this this serial killer, this unnamed killer, this unnamed the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see Yo-Yo Charlie, and it is the saddest thing because it's just a very sad Charlie Chaplin impersonator, mm-hmm. which somehow makes it sadder.
1: No one wants to see a sad tramp.
0: Yeah, no one wants that. <laughs> <laughs> But I love what you said about May being kind of like this godmother of the group. Harmony and I have watched this movie multiple times now. And the thing I don't know if I will ever get over is how May is quite possibly the best like trans sex work representation I've ever seen outside of maybe Tangerine.
2: Mm -hmm. She's amazing. She's so strong and and cool and funny and cute and just i don't know (laughs) she's
1: she's amazing i i love her interactions with soli in particular
2: yeah because
1: they bicker like an old married couple in the best way oh she's painting by numbers again i want to show you my latest masterpiece i call it fruit with gun i call it shit
0: what do you know about it, Figula? You don't even wear the right clothes. What the
1: hell are you talking about? This dress cost me over 600 bucks.
0: Hey, Solly, where'd you get the cannon? What, are you crazy? This is an old toy there. And for your information, I bought it today.
2: Why, bear season isn't even open yet.
0: This psycho killer shows I'm gonna blow his fucking head on. Hey, you wanna play a game?
2: Why not?
1: I'll break out the board. This movie has this weird I, I I cannot figure out the magic that this movie has between like its A-plot and its various B plots. But the A plot is obviously very serious and very dark, and the scenes with our killer are like very unsettling, like the um the egg scene. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit more later. It's just but then the rest of the movie is very funny and charming and joyful, and it balances it so quickly and effortlessly and i don't know how this movie does it so perfectly it it's, i i cannot figure out like i can't crack this code of this movie and how it's so masterfully done but i think it's just the charm of these characters and the actors playing them and their dialogue and everything just comes together in like this i, I just it's it's ideal i i want yeah. more movies to do this i want i want this balancing act of comedy and and sweetness with murder
2: yes It's, it's the perfect combination. It's, (laughs) it's just a complete meal.
1: Yes. And uh, you have, you have, unfortunately, like, well, obviously spoilers for every movie we ever cover, but unfortunately May dies towards the end of the movie and she has this scene with Soli and it's, it's very tender in that like lesbians took at took care of everyone during the AIDS epidemic of the eighties, which is like a, a really beautiful parallel to see, but you have these moments where May's like, don't let Angel see me like this because, you know, she's she's a mess. She's not in
0: her wig is off. It's her the her wig's part. off.
1: She's she, it, yeah. Yeah. And then it's balanced with Sully saying, "You can't die. You owe me hundred and forty-seven dollars. You fucking faggot." Yeah,
2: and like and it's very it's funny. So and sad that, and that's it's so funny,
1: and this is how these two bond and like interact with each other. And it's so sincere. I
0: love a friendship that is so, like a friendship that is so sincere that you're constantly ribbing one another because yeah. so- Solly and May are at each other the entire time, and. If you look at it on paper like no con- like no context, no inflection, nothing, they sound like they're being incredibly cruel to one another. But mm-hmm. that's not the case at all. Like, it's it's an internment of endearment. The fact that May calls her like, you know, my mother told me to never play, you know, games with a Jewish dyke because they cheat. Yeah. And then, you know, one of May's last things is, you know, can you believe it? Like, one of the last things I'm going to see is your ugly face or whatever. Ugh. And like, you know that it's from a place of love. Like, they call each other slurs constantly. And no- it's never offensive. It's not done with. Pain. It's it's kind of uh, that inter like intercommunal thing where like queer people can call each other. You know, obviously people are comfortable with it, but like we can use those words as terms of endearment. These words that are normally her- used to harm us, and to see them so effortlessly interact like that. Like we never get to see that with mm-hmm. queer people in movies because we're so afraid to admit that sometimes. Yeah, we call each other you know the f slur um, because we don't want it weaponized against us by people who are trying to hurt us and just seeing them and like the way they interact it's like my favorite like friendship that i didn't know i needed
2: yeah yeah that's gold it's just really gold on film like i feel like the actors like especially in the character roles especially like in the supporting family roles just really like brought so so much to the film I think the
1: best scene, because when we, I watched it the first time I shared it on Twitter, cause I was losing it. And then we watched it again last night for the podcast. Like, and be like, I want to put it on my Instagram story is the moment where they're trying to um, claim Lana's body after she's murdered. And the Lieutenant whose name I don't know. I think it's Andrews. He's you know being like, ah, I'm being a cop and bureaucracy and whatever. And, Angel's like, you don't have any feelings because you're just a damn cop. And they're talking about the murder of their friends and as they leave the room, May dramatically flips her feather boa and it has like a cartoon smack sound as it hits Kit in the face. And that scene perfectly bottles up the energy of this movie.
0: Well, especially because before she she throws that boa, she says, remind me to never get murdered. Uh, and so much it, sad. Is, it is like the most fuck you, cop, you don't actually care about us. If you do care, you better prove it. Mm -hmm. And we don't get scenes like that anymore where the people who are part of oppressed classes can mouth off to cops Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we unfortunately live in an era where our cops are, you know, a little trigger happy and don't take too kindly to to people calling them out on their bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just this beautiful moment where you have... A teenage sex worker, an older trans sex worker who is very much styling herself after May West, and an old cowboy uh. in a police station, and they're not the we- the wrong ones in this movie. They're the ones that you're rooting for. Like, what bizarre world did we fall into? Like, it's what I want the world to be like. Yes, but
1: but movies don't usually frame those people as the ones that you get to cheer for.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Ugh, they're just magic. And I do love Solly. I love Susan Tyrell with those just sharpie eyebrows that go to her ears. (laughs)
2: Uh, I love her glasses that are, like, always held on by, like, a rubber band, like, over one (laughs)
0: ear. Oh,
1: yeah, they're, like, broken, and it's basically just the one ear is doing all the heavy lifting for those glasses.
0: (laughs) She feels to me like she's Annie Potts' character from Pretty in Pink, but, like, she's been road hard and put away wet. Like that's that's who she is I and love that's it. not an insult. That is a compliment in the highest order. She's amazing. But they they all have just such a love for Angel because mm-hmm. to some extent like they know the truth. They know what's going on and they're just there to protect her and be the chosen family that they they've needed. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we asked the question earlier, is this the healthiest life for her? And with the exception of her getting placed with some, like, really ritzy family that for some reason is actually educated in trauma-informed care for for teens, which I highly doubt is a possibility. Unless
1: she got, like, a Punky Brewster. Right. Or, or a Daddy Warbucks kind of thing.
2: In, in the he- 80s? I mean, wh- wh- what are we gambling for? <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: this is right so like unless that th- those very specific circumstances are in place they are the best possible family for her mm-hmm. and, yeah. and like most people looking in like if you were like so we got this kid she's a uh she's a sex worker and her parents are a trans sex worker and two other sex workers and a possible lesbian slum lord and an old cowboy, and a guy who does yo-yos, and dresses like Charlie Chaplin. People would be like, "We need to take this child." But then you watch them, and you're like, "Nope, this is this is correct. This is exactly the community that is meant to to be together."
2: hmm mm-hmm.
0: It's it's
1: because they all understand the hustle. They all are in this together. Like um, one thing that we comment on every single time we watch this movie is that it's nice that you know the uh, I, I don't know what you would qualify like. Sunset Strip performers as um, as street performers, I guess they're not in competition with the sex workers, and they're all just like, "Oh, hey, want to go do a diner afterwards? You want to like hang out? How's your how's your money today?" Like they're all very cordial, and it's like them against the world in a way that I absolutely love to see.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's just great because they're all like. It's like they all understand they're all in the same area. They're all going to work together. They're all going to keep each other safe. And mm-hmm. there's honestly, a lot of the film uh, shows, when it shows Angel like actually about to like engage in sex work, she's usually, most of the time she's declining johns or customers. Mm-hmm. And she's saying no, with the exception being the serial killer, which mm-hmm. is like, I guess, the one wrong person to, that she chose to go with um but yeah it's it's like everyone there is pretty much doing their best you know they're trying to do their best given their circumstances given their life
0: mm-hmm. and they also have a great rapport just with the neighborhood they go to that diner and the that man loves them and that's he he yells at you know somebody who's experiencing houselessness, and he's like, "Get out of here, you bum!" At least at least the hookers pay or whatever he says, and you even see them like overtip him and take care of him, and you know there's there's kind of like a, a cop on the street who gets brought in with the with the lieutenant because he knows the area and he's very much like yeah I know that kid she keeps her nose clean she's fine like they're not out to get anyone Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like yeah we gotta do what we can within the confines of the law and it's it's like it's very weird to see a cop movie where I don't actually hate the cops
1: yeah right like ACAB obviously but the cops in this movie aren't that bad in the grand scheme of things what's the problem
0: Three of our friends are dead. That's the so problem. Now, what are you going to do about it?
1: Yeah. We're going to do the best we can.
0: That's not good
2: enough, obviously.
1: You catch that son of a bitch, Lieutenant. Excuse me, ladies.
2: And we'll hang the bastard. Yeah. Well,
1: we're bringing in more men and putting out extra patrols. The rest is up to you. I mean, you ladies of the night be careful on the street watch yourself work in pairs if you can and for christ's sake stick to regulars are
2: you, about? are you nuts you know about our business? i think it's because we're also not spending a lot of time with the cops though like i mean we get yeah. moments with them but they're not our main you know follow along with them <laughs>
0: And yeah. that's that's a very good point, because I feel like in a lot of other movies, our protagonist and our sort of de facto perspective would have been the cop,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: instead we have Angel and we see things in her perspective from her world, and it really humanizes a lot of characters that frequently are treated subhuman, both on screen and in real life.
1: Yeah, and- Especially for like a what is what is is a crime thriller like it is following a, a serial killer and does have like police procedural to to an extent like a small extent but those are the movies that you always follow the cops for and it always glamorizes them and that's gotten us into a lot of the situations we have where people think that cops are like these gung ho maverick heroes and ugh, not not a fan of that but toxic <laughs> oh god it's the worst
0: yeah terrible <laughs>
1: yeah and i mean that's one reason um i have not seen angel two or three despite owning them but uh, the one reason i have not watched angel two which is avenging angel which it brings back most of the supporting cast uh you know obviously sans may but it's about avenging the cop who dies in this who who's from this movie dying in that one and angel has to avenge him and i'm like i don't know if i want that and i just i love this movie so much i don't know if i i need that in my life i'll watch it at some point but i gotta say as far as like how this movie functions this cop desperately is like trying to be a father figure for angel and the reality of it is that angel doesn't need a father figure and i mean if she does she's got senile old cowboy kit she's got like Two queer people who are filling this dual mother-father relationship already going on, like, she's fine. But he thinks that he can be the one to give her, like, I'll give you a hug, kid. I'll get you off the streets. I'm there for you. And she does not need him. And that ties into the end, because the first time I watched the movie, I was so terrified that this cop was going to be the one who takes the killer down. And then he doesn't. And I love it. Yay. (laughs) Like, I jumped up and cheered when the cop is not the one who gets, like, the final shots on the killer.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's always it's always better to, like, not have it just be, like, and then the cops just took care of the problem, I guess. Yeah. And then I, I guess they do good jobs because, again, it just, yeah, it becomes copaganda all over again. And then what was the freaking point?
1: <laughs> yeah, I am not watching Angel sprint through, like, eight city blocks in heels chasing after this man just for the cop to get him.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. The ending is pretty dang satisfying. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. I love it so much.
0: I love an ending that ends with just like, we're leaving your body next to the trash. Like, mm-hmm. uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not named. Like, he dies unnamed. We don't care. We don't have to see. The serial killer isn't the star. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs>
1: Which is like so satisfying when like we really, really glamorize killers, especially during this period of the early 80s where we have slashers and- So much of this is satisfying because uh, similar to like a slumber party massacre where we see the slasher's face immediately, like he's not a mystery. It's not like, oh, what's behind Jason's mask? What's behind Michael Myers mask? No, we know who the guy is. We get to see into his sad, depraved life. We get to see him very naked a lot. Yeah, (laughs) We see every inch of this man, but it's not it's somehow more effective and also not necessary as to who this man is. Like, um, I, I know I, know I, I said after, for, for listeners, I'm sorry, it's not October anymore. I'm still going to kind of shit on Halloween a little bit with this movie because Halloween one, great movie. Love it. It's fantastic. But Michael Myers in the first Halloween movie goes after Laurie Strode, mostly because he's petty. And this movie makes sense for why this guy is going after Angel specifically, which is like, oh, it's my MO. I go after sex workers. But also I'm specifically targeting her because she can identify me make the movie make sense. It's so easy. I love it when the movie makes sense. How did he get out? A rookie cop wandered in with a gun and he grabbed it. It makes sense.
2: Yeah, it's all logic. cops
1: caught it just slightly too late. It's, all, it's
2: perfect. <laughs> it works within the story so well. Like it's just it's it's well written, honestly. Yes. It's, it's really so well, well written. written. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can we just say yeah, like it says whoever I don't know who wrote this script, but it's like very good. <laughs> Yeah, 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 just a thousand <laughs> percent. Um, the conscious decision to not like glorify the serial killer is like really important to me in, in just fiction in general. It was important to me when I was writing like Hooker to, to do the same thing, um, to like not even give him a name, to not like make him important or the focus of the story because we don't need another fake you know, anti-hero to become an object of like pop culture, like fixation or mm-hmm. lust or whatever. You know, it's just we have too much of that sh- shit out there already.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the- Hannibal Lecter
0: already exists. The
2: world yeah. doesn't need
0: another Ted Bundy movie.
2: We've yeah. got no. plenty. Exactly. Yeah, we're fine. We can move on. Let's 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 talk about. Why are we fascinated with serial killers? <laughs> like, <why? laughs> what's that within like the pop culture imagination? That's interesting to me. Like, mm-hmm. why do we keep coming back to that? I don't know yet.
0: There's a I have a lot of schools of thought on it because I have spent far too much of my own free time letting like true crime obsessives live rent free in my head because <laughs> I just I just want to know like what draws people to it because I know for me um you know i i work a lot with restorative justice and you know i i work with people who have committed heinous crimes mm-hmm. and figuring out why so for me whenever i listen to like a true crime podcast or watch something the it's very psych- like psychology based for me and less about like oh i want to know why you're fucked up and more i want to know how i am able to help you correctly and safely reintegrate into society and repair the harm that you've caused like that is where my motivation comes from but then i know that there are people that just straight up are like i want to listen to the most fucked up thing ever and i'm like Mm -hmm. you might want to unpack
2: that friend yeah it's it's interesting i think what it is here are my thoughts and theories random like great Hit,
1: hit us You're you're very well learned on this as opposed to me who has barely negative opinions of true crime at this point in my life. So like, please educate, give me this.
2: Okay, so I'm going to just um, go aside very, very randomly and just say, have either of you heard of the phenomenon of Tumblr sexy men? uh that sounds very familiar and (laughs) you're probably going to say something and i'm going to go oh yes this is this it's okay i'm going to just encapsulate this very very quickly so phenomenon Mm -hmm. like uh mid 2010s etc um came started with like ostensibly the once slur from the lorax movie
1: Yes, I know what we're talking about yes. now. Okay, okay. Yep, I'm on board.
2: <laughs> and you know how they decided to make the once from the book who was like a character that had nothing going on. It was just a weird couple of arms coming out mm-hmm. a window. They decided to turn him into a skinny white boy wearing a top hat who was mm-hmm. evil. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> this uh, started a lot of fan art, okay? You know, on Tumblr and a lot of, of fandom, like people started getting the hots for once and that's all they would talk about is Mm -hmm. is how hot the once is blah blah Mm -hmm. blah okay it's sort of spread into a bunch of other characters who've been adopted into this who like they have to be kind of evil they might be just kind of a random shape it might be like bill cypher from gravity falls is Mm -hmm. all of a sudden going to be changed into a skinny white boy wearing a top hat and a (laughs) suit (laughs) okay but they keep doing it again and again and it's like, this case study has happened. It's kind of like, you know, Tumblr sexy men still exist as a thing every once in a while. But you can kind of basically see the start of it happening and, and people realizing like, oh, you know, and this is like our desire and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of about dressing up evil in a very, like, colonialist outfit, specifically the suit the top hat Uh and the characters are all white (laughs) and male. And then they're evil and they tend to have um, a lot of, they're so evil that their power is huge. It's like beyond comprehension power. Like, Uh oh my God, I can't escape it. So there's this whole thing where it's like, oh, inescapably evil person, I'm gonna make them hot and fuck it. I think (laughs) this is our brain. Attempting to take something very big, very scary for us and say, face your fears, fuck it. But (laughs) we're not processing it critically and saying, oh, that's what I'm doing. Great, this is what we're engaging in. Instead of that, we tend to just be like, oh, I just think serial killers are so hot. And I'm like, that's creepy. Are you analyzing any of that?
1: But Ted Bundy, so handsome. Yeah, this though. this
2: really yeah. tracks
0: for mm. me. Um, I was listening to a a series about Columbine, which you know a, a atrocious event that took place in our history, and there was an episode that was dedicated to the Tumblr fandoms that exist around the Columbine shooters ah. and these young girls who have like overanalyzed their diary entries, who view them as these like mistaken misunderstood mm. like just oh the world didn't understand them mm. but i do like i it's can very, fix some daddy i promise pretty much <laughs> like that's that's a, a big energy to it but they have like legitimate like fandoms as if they're like a k-pop band but they're the columbine killers
2: uh. and you're like holy shit um
1: I think I'll be retiring for the evening.
2: I'll see myself out. <laughs> yeah, but think about yeah. it because the age of the the killers and if it's like teen girls who are leading the fandom, that's an immediate fear or threat that could be recognized within their environment. Mm-hmm. That's like, it makes so much sense to me. It's like the brain is attempting to like do the thing where it's like, oh, I will protect you and take this like horrible data and turn it into something you'll like (laughs) it'll give you serotonin instead
0: yeah it's the it is an exaggerated version of one of my favorite things that i point out to people uh which is the thing that a lot of us do when we get in trouble where we laugh where our parents were yelling at us for having a bad report card or the principal is yelling at us because we did something wrong in school and our body does not want us to feel sad, scared, vulnerable. So we laugh because we want to give our brain that serotonin boost to handle the seriousness of what's going on, but then we just look like assholes.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: I think that's what's happening here: is our, the brain is trying to make this a positive experience, and everyone just looks like an asshole. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. So let's let's talk a bit about you know this actual killer because while he doesn't have a name and he says like a line, we yeah, do. He has
1: one line. We, we don't d- even give this man dialogue. No, uh, yeah, but
0: we great. do see a Love little it. bit of his uh, his life, and you can. Put some pieces together uh, based on his life. In particular, Harmony's least favorite scene, uh, the egg scene.
1: Oh, my God. It is the most unsettling thing I've ever... Like, people talk about, like, oh, my goodness, Hannibal Lecter and his, like, fava beans. I'm like, no, nothing is more unsettling <laughs> than this man sucking this egg.
0: So talk about the egg sucking and why does it make you feel upset?
1: Well, th- he's wearing no shirt. And like that's fine. He usually doesn't wear a shirt because he'll like do crunches and like bathe in a washtub and lit by backlit by neon light in a v- way that's weirdly like '80s homoerotic, but it's not at all. But everything else that's shot like this looks like yeah. That. This
0: man is shot like he's in a '80s gay porn a lot of this movie.
1: Yeah, it's fucking wild. So um, yeah, he's just he takes an egg and he just kind of cracks it with a with a switchblade knife that he uses for everything and he goes over t- towards a, like a wall and he just starts like sucking on the egg and it's like oh that's that's a little weird what it's a little odd and then the focus shifts away from him and you see the back wall and you see a young boy and his mother and it's like oh this is him imitating breastfeeding with this egg
2: yeah oh no
1: and, oh dear and then and then, he- and then he like crushes it into his own face <laughs> and eats the shell and it's like oh my god <laughs>
2: It's so gross.
0: It <laughs> really like I've seen plenty of like mommy issues portrayed on film. Like probably the most obvious is in American Horror Story Asylum with Zachary Quintos' character. Oh, but like yeah. the the aggression of cracking the egg on his face and like shoving it in like he's trying to consume mama's breast uh-huh. is so unsettling and this comes from somebody who's a mommy dom like Ah. like if me as a mommy dom is like oh no um (laughs) that says a lot yeah i i have
1: some degree of mommy issues this is why we work together (laughs) but like oh my goodness
2: yeah no it it was not pleasant to watch (laughs) it's very i think that's great at like actually just making the serial killer awful though that's yeah. what's good about it because it's you're so like good. it he's not sexy this man is eating like weird a eggs in a very weird way it's mm-hmm. disturbing and yeah we don't
0: <laughs> it, like him and yeah. it lets us know pretty much immediately like oh now i see why you know this is your issue okay i got it mm-hmm. and we yeah. didn't need to have some like heart-wrenching exposition that explains why he is the way he is like we don't need any of that we just get him doing weird egg-sucking tricks and a picture of his mom and you're like got it figured it out thanks that's all i needed mm-hmm. let's not explore this deeper because it's a weird place and i don't want to go there
1: okay but speaking of that whole like got it i don't need anything more than that this movie also has like a lot of like soft slow moments but this movie moves it at like a breakneck speed This movie is, it just, it's every scene matters. Every scene is like, get in, get out, do the things you need to do and then move on. And it's even when they're like, just like hanging out at a diner or they're playing like, I don't know, bridge, backgammon, whatever game that like Solly and May are playing. I'm not an old enough person to know what that game is offhand where there's the famous cheating scene. And it's great because I just love watching these two interact with each other. That's a slow moment. But the whole movie just seems to go so fast.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the miracle of writing, I swear, because it's just it's it's like the pacing when it does that, when it's like that kind of, oh, I feel like everything is so slow and yet it moves quickly. That's like that's in the scenes like writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it's there. The bones of this is are so incredibly strong. yeah. Yeah, it, and,
1: There's nothing but kind things to say about this movie in every yes. single scene.
2: <laughs> and
0: and another thing too is that I want, like another character I want to bring up because she feels kind of inconsequential to the greater scheme of the plot, but she's also very, very important, uh-huh. is this guidance counselor teacher who shows up to the house where um, May and Angel are living and she kind of accosts Solly and is like, Hey, I used to work for the health department. Give me the goddamn key to this apartment or I'll shut your ass down. And you're like, "Woo!" somebody put on her like her badass briefs today. Look at you. The fucking mouth on that broad. (laughs) The fucking mouth on that broad.
1: But like she is a bad bitch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of a bad bitch. And you think when when you meet her like, oh, no, she's going to find out the truth about Angel's parents and she's going to shut everything down. But then she has this really beautiful conversation with May (laughs)
1: They bond over dresses. They
0: bond over dresses. She <laughs> affirms May, and she's very much just like, okay, cool, thanks for letting me know what's going on with with Angel. You know, I really care about her, and you know, we'll we'll get this figured out. And you walk away thinking like, oh, she really is going to act in her best interest. Like she's not here to like fuck up this situation. And that, again, as somebody who like is very concerned with most authority figures and people in positions of power, Uh it's so, like, I kind of get dog-eared about it when I watch these characters not fuck things up. Yeah,
1: and also, I love that that scene in particular doesn't insult the Guidance Counselor's intelligence or ours, because, like, no disrespect towards may but like she poses like oh i'm i'm angel's mother oh and it's just like you might be someone's mother but you are not angels and it's not this like um end of the birdcage bamboozle where it's like okay but we as the viewer know that this isn't gonna work right we we know i'm i don't want to be sitting here with nathan lane and drag and be riddled with anxiety because i'm just waiting for gene hackman to put the pieces together there's no there that scene doesn't exist it's just kind of like oh yep i saw through that but it's okay, and we're going to work this out together because we have the same common goal. And it, it, I don't feel talked down to for that. But also, it's not invalidating, like, who May is. It, it's so good. Now, what shall we talk about?
2: Look, I don't know whose mother you are, but you are definitely not Molly's.
0: I'm not?
2: No. You're right. But I love her more than her mother ever did.
1: We've got to get her off the streets. We've got to find her a home.
0: And soon. Now, May, you know how much I care for Molly, and I will do anything I can to help. Right. You keep me posted, all right? Okay. Hey, let me help you out, the doctor.
1: I meant to ask you, that dress, sex?
2: I'm Agnes. Oh, mm. stunning. Thank you it's more solid characters (laughs) just really on every page and it's like the characters aren't being forced to have conflict unnecessarily or like being made to say things or something just to to have conflicts with each other like there's no like yeah the fact that like the guidance counselor isn't just going to throw a wrench into everything for the sake of throwing a wrench and everything. But she Mm -hmm. actually has like a heroic goal. That's great. And that's so refreshing. Like I'm tired of people just saying like, Oh, and then this person is going to be bad at something because we need struggle. Yeah. (laughs) Just here.
1: We need conflict because the third act needs more going on.
2: Yeah. It's like, no, it's just too much stuff going on. Like let people be genuine and, and good and interesting complex
1: and it's just every single character in this movie it wants to support and help angel every single one of them aside from like her classmates which like there's this nerdy boy named wayne i'm not even mad at wayne no at the beginning of the movie wayne asks angel out and he's clearly very socially awkward and she's like oh no i can't um my mom says i'm not old enough to date and then after it's exposed that like oh she does sex work he's like i saved 23 dollars uh, can we go out now? And I I don't know. He thinks that that's the thing you're supposed to do. Yeah, he's, not being he's shitty. Yeah. He's
0: not coming to this in from a perspective of like, "Yo, I'm gonna buy you now." Like, you're that's only not worth twenty three dollars. He, he's very much like, "I saved up my money because I really do like you, and this seems to be the only way that I can be with you." Uh
1: huh. Like
2: oh, yeah. it's <laughs> it's coming from the most like sincere of places.
1: Like he doesn't know how shitty it comes across. <laughs>
2: I think he even asks if this is enough. Like, I think that's a line he says, yeah. like, is this enough? Like, cause he isn't sure he's, he's like, well, maybe I need I my, my offer is too low. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's trying to do it right, but he doesn't know that he's doing everything wrong. Yes.
0: He's, he's a precious little bean trying his best. Again, going back, everyone in this movie is just trying their best.
2: Uh-huh. Except maybe the killer, but maybe he's I mean, trying he's his trying. best too. I mean, he's, he's trying. trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So I-,
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about this movie and how it has influenced your work um, because you wrote an amazing book called Hooker that I love and people should buy and read because it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, when we we chit-chatted about angel you know off mic uh at at a dinner and it was one of those things of like well oh shit no duh this is a movie you would like because it's very much an inspiration for your book um so i'm curious if you could talk about like why this movie influenced you and how you incorporated it into your own work
2: sure i would love to thank you by the way first of all for everything you said about my book i really appreciate that well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, and <laughs> I'm not a liar. <laughs> good. I'm glad you're not. It makes me well, more sincere. Bad
0: <laughs> I'm terrible at lying. That's why I don't do it.
2: It's a good policy to have. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So this book, um, it came from a place of me wanting to express like my love of Los Angeles and the city and also bring up the discussion about uh, sex work in the 80s uh, and the relationship with the cops at the time, as well as go into the sex work revenge, like, you know, basically the, the, the trope overall, but then specifically into Angel too. Mostly I was... Uh, dissatisfied with a lot of sex work revenge where when you watch the films they often like spend a lot of time on the trauma on the initial trauma that the mm-hmm. sex worker receives and then you don't get enough of her actually seek getting revenge or i don't know there's no like training montage or anything where she gets to <laughs> Build up. There's no like, it, it's not focused on her story. It's just kind of like, oh, here's a bunch of trauma. And then maybe at the end there's some revenge because in the middle there's going to be a bunch of heated stalking and it can go back and forth either way. And um, Angel inspired me because it was from that perspective of the sex worker, first of all, it was grounded in that. Mm-hmm. And what I loved too was her community. Her queer community was there. It was beautiful. I hated May's death. I wanted to write a book where nobody queer died in it. So spoilers. Like, I just, I didn't want that. I'm, I'm just, I'm like, nobody's going to, you know, no sacrifices. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and there is at the point at the beginning of my book, I did have um, one character who was close to my protagonist does die. Uh, and So in the sense, there is that sacrifice that sort of starts it off. But I did also want to have an emotional connection with the character to the story. So that's kind of I don't know. It's a it's a back and forth there kind of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I completely
0: understand that. And it's one of those it's one of those things where um, we, we did a mini sode on the movie There's Someone Inside Your House, which is a slasher film where, for the most part, all of the people that die are like tangentially related to the characters that we follow. And And a lot of people uh, hated that choice. They were like, why would I care that like random people at their school are dying? It's like, well, because it's close enough in proximity that you should probably care. Um, And people were just like, it doesn't make sense. Like, all of the characters live. And it's like, yeah, isn't that great? (laughs) Like, that's never happened (laughs) before.
1: No, we, we demand blood.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Your best friend or sibling must die or else I'm uninvested.
2: <laughs> Not going to be showing up for that. No, it's like, it's really sad, actually, that we kind of have like, um, I think, expectations with narratives, right? Like a right. Certain pound of flesh must be paid in order to get this narrative going, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, doesn't always have to be the case, but sometimes uh, I think. You know, when you're you're talking about like trauma or about traumatic things, it's it's okay to actually bring it up as well. So yeah. It's complicated. <laughs>
0: requiring things, that. that is one of the things that I like about Hooker because it it does have some complications within it. It's not a very like bread and butter paint by numbers story, the way that a lot of these types of films and you know books tend to be um this does feel more in line your book does feel more in line with angel where it is affirming as and and complicated and and a little bit messy depending on what your experience or education is with the sex work industry uh specifically like full service sex work um that can be purchased you know on the streets um that is and I, I think that we need more of that. I don't know if we'll get it. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get it, but I want it. And I'm glad that you were able to provide it in your story because it's, it's
2: wonderful. Thank you. I really just, I hope to actually start the conversation. I would like to see more of these books. This is like more of the kind of story I would like to see out there. And I know that sounds cheesy because it's like, oh yeah, that's what writers should do. You write the kind of things you want to see out there. But it's kind <laughs> of me like... Throwing a message in a bottle and saying, hey, anyone on that island out there? Cool. I'd love to see what you've got in your bottles. Like, please. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So are are there any more
0: capsule thoughts that we have on Angel that we'd like to discuss?
1: I just like looking at this movie. I don't know if it's like... I, I don't the sunset strip has never looked so interesting to me as it does the way it's filmed at night in this movie.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's, it's got like that, like almost new wave kind of camera movement to it sometimes mm-hmm. and everything. And it's just like, it feels alive. And it also has that like seventies cinematography going for it. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It feels very much alive. It's a good Los Angeles city like, movie in general.
1: Absolutely. And I, um, pretty much any, like, 84 is kind of the cutoff year for when we start to really establish what, like, a teen movie looks like, because this is the year 16 Candles comes out, and then, you know, John Hughes changes that forever. But anything before that, it's, like, got that 70s grit to it that is so fascinating and interesting for me, and... I, I just really love the idea of the teen experience prior to that because it was not the blockbuster that we know it as when we associate like, what does a teen movie look like in the 80s? It's It looks like this. It's set almost exclusively at night. It takes place a lot of times outdoors in front of large groups of strangers, maybe at a diner, like maybe two scenes at a high school during the day.
0: That's it.
2: Yeah. And it's perfect for it. It doesn't need anything else. It's mm-hmm. just... Poetry already.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree completely. And I think that this is a really interesting look at teen experiences. We, we've we talked before about the the bad influence friend, the quote unquote bad influence friend, that we don't ever get to really see those stories. And Angel is definitely one of them because obviously you get the, the juxtaposition of like, by day, straight A student with pigtails, by night, like Hollywood sex worker. But once things are revealed, she's the bad influence friend. She's Mm -hmm. the one that, you know, parents are not going to want you to hang around that girl, kind of thing. And I like that we get to see her life, her story, what she's going through, how she got to this point, because we never get to see those characters' stories ever. They're always like these weird archetypes that exist in the background and they exist solely to be somebody to compare the protagonist to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. More stories like these, please. If you're out there, writers, listening, <laughs> we need this.
1: <laughs> Agreed. Yes, please. <laughs> I, it, It's a bold claim for me to say when this is such a fresh movie for me, and it's probably going to give away some answers for when BJ pops a question later.
0: I mean, I was going to pop it right after you uh, had the sentence, so. Well,
1: you know what? Then maybe I will save my thoughts All right, and fine. Say things <laughs> then.
0: <laughs> so as is the great tradition of The Sense Prom, Harmony, Angel is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back?
1: Uh, it's the biggest fucking fat yes. I don't know if people can tell by how much I probably have to turn down my own audio because I've just been so hyped for this whole episode. Um, I love this movie to pieces. It's a bold claim. I'm going to throw it out there and I can change my mind later because that's how opinions work. Angel might be in like my top 15 favorite movies, period. I... Absolutely love everything about this movie. It is so exciting and warm and thrilling and i just i love it has a ten minute chase scene at the end that is absolutely fantastic and I think it just it the movie's so smart and shot well and written well and acted well and I love everything about it and i I don't know i just I like, as, as a person who used to do sex work, too, not to just tack that on to everybody else, being like, hey, I'm here, too. It's a too. sex work
2: party. Yay. Yay.
1: I don't want to just tack that on to everybody else. But like, yeah, aside from Tangerine, especially for May, this is like my favorite trans sex worker.
0: Yeah. I
1: I, I just, I, I, I love, love it. I love I,
0: this I, movie. I, lo- I, I love, love May. I'm glad that you're taking this to prom, because uh, you should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yay. So... So M, where let's do some plugs. Where can people find you, your work, if you want them to find you on the internet? Oh well,
2: okay. I mean, <laughs> you can come <laughs> around and find me, folks. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at underscore M Lopes da Silva. Uh, that's spelled M L O P E S D A S I L V A. And uh, if you want, I also make a soap. Uh, I make fancy soap. It's fun. Uh, Come on, check it down, check it out at, uh, check it down. (laughs) Check (laughs) it down. (laughs) It's Salt Cat Soap. It's an Etsy shop. Um, It's really, we have a lot of fun, neat things. We've got, like, I like, I don't gender soaps. I like just to explore with fragrances and create nostalgic, like, interesting scentscapes. Mm. So, Go find your mood. I have uh I even have a soap based on Hooker right now called the Retrowave Bar that smells like the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't
0: born then, so I can't tell you whether or not that's true. (laughs) It'll it'll smell
1: like my vision of the 80s, I I would imagine.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's funny. It's actually got like kind of some interesting petrichor notes and um some interesting like perfume notes and one the, the only reason I say that it smells like the 80s is because a customer said like oh yeah uh, I gave it to my dad and he said it smells exactly like a perfume my mom used to wear all the time in the 80s so I'm like Aww. oh I love great. That. that's Perfect. so sweet <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so there you go that's great where can people buy your book
2: uh, yes, my book is available at the Cursed Amazon uh, website. It is also available at Barnes & Noble. Um, yeah, basically you can order it from your indie bookstore if you wanna. they like yeah. that business. You can do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you all should do that, all of you. Yay. I'm giving you homework. <laughs> your homework is to call your indie bookstore and not order from Shmamazon. Yeah, don't though. do it. <laughs> We're all guilty of it sometimes, but we need to treat Amazon like a sometimes food. We can't <laughs> we can't use it as our sustenance, friends. <laughs>
2: well, thank you all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Sunset Prom or our Patreon, patreon.com slash You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo.
1: And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor. Velocitraptor, underscore trap underscore tour.
0: And as always, huge thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use "Title" as our theme song. Harmony, what cool indie band do you want people to check out this week?
1: Yes, okay. Um, oh, there was a
0: clap involved, so there's some hype. I have,
1: I have a lot of pep in my step, obviously just from this whole episode, but also because of this band. Because we're doing Teen Movie Hell Week, I just decided, hey... I, w- I was basically like, what, what bands do I know that sound like Holly and the Italians? And BJ's like, why don't you just plug Holly and the Italians? And I was like, you know what? I will. <laughs> um, Holly and the Italians have an album called The Right to Be Italian. Uh, it, it it went nowhere. It had like no success, unfortunately. So you can buy it on Discogs for like $3 plus shipping. Uh, but it is one of my favorite albums ever. It is perfect. Power pop, punk, new wave. Um, the song that most people get off of that one is... Tell that girl to shut up however I don't think that's as good as other songs like miles away or youth coup or my personal favorite I want to go home I like it's just like a love letter to like Los Angeles and going home to all like the sleazy cool places that you know so well and that's uh that's the energy of this movie and I love this album and I want more people to listen to it because it's like impossible to find and it's on Spotify, like, one month out of the year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and keep in mind, friends, Holly and the Italians, they are not, like, a new indie band. No, they're from
1: 1981.
0: Yeah, they're a band from the 80s, and their music is hard to find, but it is absolutely worth it. Holly and the Italians, fucking rule. (laughs) Nice. All right, friends, that takes us out on Angel. Thank you again. We will see you next week, and as always, save that last dance for us. Bye. 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 side. It's because you're nothing but a damn cop. Come on, make it.
2: Let's get out of here.
1: Remind me never to get murdered. This episode was brought to you by
2: Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.